Well, I hope everyone had a great Christmas. We are moving from that special day now to New Year. And as we think of New Year, we sometimes think of making resolutions. But I think, as I have learned and you have learned as well, sometimes uh, it can be pretty useless to make resolutions like I'm going to lose 20 pounds uh, next week or I'm going to get back to running three miles a day or uh, I'm really going to be patient this year. You know, it's difficult to do. But this is, I think, a time that we can focus on uh, some of the things that God may want us to go after uh, during the new year. One day I was sitting here on the front seat where I sit most of the time, and our pastor Tommy was preaching, and in one of the sermons he just came across the word goal, G-O-A-L. And for some reason it hit me this way, go, G-O, A, after, L, Life, life's, with the S, superlatives. Go after life's superlatives. And as I thought about that, I reflected on it for a while in view of the passage that we have before us today. And so I thought, why not? Go for godly goals. Now, Noel Hynote back there keeps us running along with the other people uh, on the technology desk, and when he saw uh, that first slide, he said, Jim, this might be a day for us to sing, Drop Kick Me Jesus, <laughs> through the goalpost of life. You want to try it? No, he doesn't know. He knows it, believe me. Well, today, go for Godly goals. And I believe here before us, uh, one of us might read this passage and think in one direction, another might read it and think about something else. But I just want to share with you what I believe the Holy Spirit put in my heart as I reflected on these and asked you to consider these perspectives as some goals that you might think about for the coming year. And the first one is simply get along. Now, Martha, you always have a lot of fun with these names. But there are two ladies here in the church, one of them named Eunice and Syntyche. How would you like for your name to begin with sin? You know? Syntyche. And obviously, they are not getting along. And so Paul writes to his trusted companion, who may very well be the pastor of the church, and he says, assist them in their relationships. Help them uh, to get along so that they will demonstrate the mind of Christ, and that the unity that we all strive for will be true in the church here at Philippi. I thought about this many, for many, many years. 
And if you ever serve as a district superintendent, you'll deal with this every day. Is that why do people seem so often to not want to get along? What is our problem? And I thought about it from the perspective that we come at things from different perspectives. And JP and I talked about this the other day. If I'm standing on this side of the mountain and I see the rocks and all the craggy architecture and the ruggedness of the mountain, that's the way I think the mountain is. But if he's standing on the other side of the mountain and he sees all those beautiful pine trees and the grass and the animals feeding there, he has a different perspective. And so often, I think this is at the heart of our disagreements, not just in the church, but in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, on the playground. We just have a different way of doing things. And when we each insist that the way I look at the mountain is the way the mountain really is, that's when you got to call in the trusted companion and receive help with a goal that will promote understanding and love and graciousness. And I'd like to suggest that during the coming year, this is a godly goal, and I'd like to suggest that this be a consideration are one of the resolutions and goals that we set for the coming year. I'm going to try to do better, and I invite everyone in this church and throughout this land and throughout the world, let there be peace on earth, in the church, and in our hearts. The second goal that I think Paul encourages here, he says rejoice. Not just get along, but also rejoice. And he says this rejoicing can be expressed in our thanksgiving. It can be expressed in our prayers. It can be expressed in our conversation. It can be expressed silently. It can be expressed vocally. But he says rejoice. And rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. A third goal. Think. Think. He says think on these things. Now, that word think is a word from which we get logic Logical. Logician. In the Greek it's logizomai. That sounds strange, but you can see how much it sounds like our English translation. And it means to use your reasoning faculty to arrive at conclusions. My son gave me a book uh, about understanding human consciousness. He gave me one for Christmas. I've been reading just a little bit. And it talks about how Descartes and all those philosophers 
talked about the dualism of the mind and the brain. And through the centuries, we have been told that the brain and the mind are two distinct things. That the brain is the physical side and the mind is the transcendent side. And now the scientists are saying, no, it's all materialistic. It's all the brain. Our thinking capacity is not some kind of transcendent gift. It comes totally out of the materialistic, medical, uh, humanistic uh, understanding of the brain as a, as a tissue, a, a, a part of the human body. Well, regardless of how it happens, the Apostle Paul encourages us and invites us to use our minds to think, to be a thinker. Think about it. And one thing he says is, Think on the things that are true. Think on the things that are reverent. And as I read that and thought about that, maybe where we could begin would be to be reverent toward our mothers and fathers and respect and honor them, regardless of what age they are. Might be a good place. Might be a good suggestion. Is that when you think... Think on things that are reverent and honorable. And let your mind serve you. Make it a goal to let your mind serve you rather than the other way around. So go for a godly goal. Think. And then finally, learn a secret. And what is that secret? Paul says, I've learned in whatever state I am in, therein to be content. Learn the secret of contentment. Make it a goal. God invites us through the power of the Holy Spirit to make it a goal to learn the secret of contentment. Do you know the word there, it's translated contentment, but it means self-sufficient. But we're only able to be self-sufficient, to depend on ourselves as we first depend on God. So Paul says, I've learned. Where are the, I'm in those days when a church pays me good, I'm content. But when they won't give me a dime to eat on, I'm still happy. If I have enough clothes to keep me warm, I'm happy, but if... I'm freezing to death in the cave over there where they've imprisoned me. I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content when I'm with these folks. And I've learned to be content when I'm with these. In whatsoever state I am, I have learned to be content. Now, could I suggest that would be a good goal to strive for to ask God to give us contentment to give us peace to give us goodness to give us in fact what the Christ child 
came to bring and to receive them as we move to January the 1st, 2020 or January the 1st, 2050. May we learn to be content. And so therefore, godly goals that come before us today right straight from God's Word as inspired by the Holy Spirit. Goals to get along, to rejoice, to be thinkers, and to learn the secret, the secret of contentment. Happy New Year.